Hello, this is Pastor Keeker. I'm the pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Clinton, Missouri. And this is a recording of a class that I just started on the theology of worship or a Lutheran understanding of worship. And we're primarily wrestling with the question of what is worship? And of course, we're looking at this through the lens of the divine service, which is a familiar word for us Lutherans, but maybe unfamiliar to those outside of our church body. I'll try to unpack that in the class. But along with this, we're also taking a look at the Eucharist and Holy Communion and the gifts which we receive from the Lord in this sacred meal. This is a 12-week class. This is the first class, and you are invited to the next one, which is Sunday morning at 9 a.m., or it's also offered on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. here at Trinity Lutheran Church. And if you're unable to join us in person, then at least you're joining us here through the media, and welcome. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to shoot me a text, email, give me a call. I'd be happy to address those questions and wrestle with them um, in the classes ahead. The Lord be with you, God bless you, and thanks for joining us. I don't know if it will or not. I, I might try to do that um, just for those who are going to listen in. And then also for um, any that you know who may be interested in coming to this class because we're beginning a new topic today, uh, but they, for whatever reason they can't make it on Sunday mornings, I will um, also make it available Wednesday nights at 6.30 for if that works better for people's schedules to come to church on Wednesday evenings, for whatever reason, I, I will be here, and I will do the same thing that we we did together on Sunday morning, so you won't miss anything. So, um, <clears throat> unless you're Timothy, you probably don't want to come just to hear the same thing again. When you already know it anyway. When you already <laughs> Speaking of humility... Well, everyone knew that one. What was it? It's hard to be humble. What? When you're perfect in every way. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that. Who sings that? Mac Davis. Mac Davis. I don't know who that is either. Oh, long before my time. It's hard to be humble when... Wait. It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way? <laughs> this is the morning liturgy. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down. Mac Davis. I need to pick me up in the mornings. Where's my pencil? Mac Davis. What's the name of the song? Humility. It's hard to be humble. 
That's funny. Well, Timothy, my goal for the class is to teach you one thing today. Okay, good. Well, and then last week, we, we finished. We can't do this again. We finished last week at like 9.57. And I, you almost had church without me last week. <laughs> By the time I got vested, Leslie was doing the opening hymn. So I, I started my procession from my office and I... I got there just in time, so some, someone watched the clock. That one's fast. So that makes no sense to me. It's not 9.05. It's 9.06. Wow. I have found the problem. <laughs> My phone has 8.57, but that's when it started recording, so I've been like waiting for it to get to 9 this whole time. We're off to a good start. Okay, so um, for those who just came in, just a quick disclaimer. Um, I'm recording this class for the podcast. Um, So just know that your voices are being recorded. And if you're not comfortable with being on the podcast, just let me know. And I can edit out any questions you might have. Um, I don't expect any of these things being listened by that many people. It's more for our people who can't be here today. Um, but just by nature of being on iTunes and whatnot, anyone can listen to them. So um, let's begin. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. O Lord, we ascribe glory to your name, for it is due and we worship you in the splendor of holiness. Lord, we gather this morning to discuss and to learn from you what it means to worship your name, to hear the voice of the Lord, which thunders over the waters, which thunders over us in our sin, which quiets us and forms us and shapes us. Teach us what it means to worship you, to draw from you and receive from your voice all that we need to live. For man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, O Lord. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, drawing from your voice and finding in your voice the forgiveness of all of our sins, the promise of everlasting life, love and grace and mercy. 
We give you thanks for the voice of our shepherd who calls out to us in the wilderness to draw us back into himself and to make us lie down and rest. For he is the one who has said to us, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so today, O Lord, I give you thanks for your sheep whom you have gathered, that you would give them rest in your Son and in his one clear voice over them. We pray this in his name. Amen. Okay, so we are starting a new topic today. Um, We have a lot to cover over the next 12 weeks. Um, And our topic is this. We're going to be talking about worship. Um, The Lutheran theology of worship and the divine service. What it means to worship, what worship is. And um, we're going to kind of start there with just some foundational thoughts on this thing called worship. And then from there, we're going to actually take a look at our form of worship, what, what the Lutheran Church uses that we call the divine service. And then from there, we're going to talk about communion, Holy Communion, because um, uh, it's our hope, my hope, that we move towards receiving communion uh, every week when we gather, beginning on Easter, which is April 4th. Um, So we got some time to kind of talk about that, and I want to hear from you all and your questions um, that you might have about any time there's a change in worship um, by any anything that we do. We we want to do it with uh, with a unified vision, right? We um, um, a little bit of my background on worship is uh, I was actually, my first experience in worship was Roman Catholic Mass. Many of you know this about me. I was baptized in the Catholic Church, and I, I was actually Roman Catholic until like two and a half, three years old. Um, and you might be thinking, how in the world do you remember Catholic Mass when you were two or three years old? The only thing I remember is the smell. Um, the Catholic Church worship smells different than, a, than ours. And when I walk into a Catholic Church today and I smell the incense that they burn, I remember that smell. I don't remember the things that I really saw or did whenever I was two and three, but the smell stayed with me. Now, when I was two or three, my parents um, joined the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, And I grew up every Sunday with what we call, as Lutherans, the divine service. Now, that's an unfamiliar term to those outside Lutheranism. You know, they just just call it worship, right? Where do you go for worship? Or where do you go for service? But Lutherans, we know this term, the divine service. That's what we name our worship. Um, And we're going to talk about why we have that name. But that's what I grew up with um, pretty much my whole life. Every Sunday, divine service. Now... In high school, we had this club in Perryville where I grew up. It was on the square, and it was called Club 7. And it was just where all the kids went who we didn't have our driver's license yet, so your mom or your dad would drop you off at Club 7, and they had, like, pool tables and 
arcade games, and they had a snack bar where you could get all the soda and the candy that you wanted, or you know, with the three dollars that you had because you're 15. <laughs> and uh, and you would hang out like on Friday nights. That's where you would hang out, and it was just a place where teens, you know, teens would gather. But there was one night where they had a concert, and you know, it was a Christian band and they played some music and it was just another friday night for me with a christian band and i didn't think anything of it until i got home and i was explaining to my mother what happened that night and out of nowhere my mom gets really concerned starts asking me all these questions what did they say and I, I, it, was, it was throwing me for a little bit of a loop. I'm like, Mom, it was just a concert, you know. Um, but th- there was this moment at the end of the concert um, that if you, the, the man who was singing, he was, he was saying that you had to give your heart to Jesus, right? And this was my first experience of any sort of an altar call. And as I was detailing it to my mother, um, she was bothered by it, and I didn't really know why. But it bothered her so much that when she took me to church that following Sunday, she brought it up to the pastor as we're going through the receiving line. You know, here I am, 15, 14 years old. You know, I'd been confirmed in the Lutheran church. And, and my mom says to, pa- to Pastor Marks, Jesse went to a, a Christian concert on Friday and they had an altar call. I'm like, Mom. And, and, and I just remember the pastor being like, oh, it's fine. You know, not a big deal to him. And that was my first kind of like, what, what, what was that all about? I never really, why is this a big deal? Well, then I went to Southwest Baptist University for my undergrad. And um, I started going to all these non-denominational churches with my friends and Baptist churches with my friends. Um, same kind of theological strain. Uh, non-denominational theology is is Baptist theology. They just don't want to admit it, uh, and it's just that is true. So, and don't forget, Lutherans were the first non-denominational Christians, right? We were the ones 500 years ago who said, "Just call us evangelical, just call us Christian," right? But you get named by your enemies. Right? They said, "No, you're you're Lutheran." No, we're not. We're just Christian. You're Lutherans, right? This, you get named by your teaching, right? It's why Baptists are called Baptists. What's the teaching that distinguishes their following? They have a heretical view of baptism. They got named by their, uh, by their enemies. You're going to be called Baptists now. No, 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 we're, we're just Christian. No, you're Baptists, right? Um, so non-denominational Christians today, I'm convinced, give it 30 years, they'll have a new name, right? It's just once that generation runs its day, um, a, a name will be applied at some point, and then there'll be just one more denomination added to the list of 30,000 denominations that we currently have. Uh, but Lutherans were the first ones, and, and our, our claim to be non-denominational only lasted like two days, right? <laughs> because, because Rome was like, no, you're, you're followers of Luther, you're Lutheran. Anyway, so I go to Southwest Baptist University, and um, I attend I attend services for the next four years at non-denominational churches. And, and you know where Rome smelled different? Worship in non-denominational churches and Baptist churches, it looks different. 
it is very different than the divine service. Um, and I remember my first experience. It was pretty much identical to that Club 7 night. There's a band, you know, you walk in and there's a band up front in front of you and there's music for about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, just one song after another, after another, after another, with maybe some words in between by the lead musician. They'll share some thoughts as we're worshiping. And, and then after the band performs, then someone comes up, the pastor presumably, and then you, you have like a 30-minute sermon. So there, it's pretty simple. It's 30 minutes of singing and then 30 minutes of preaching, or around there, roughly. And, um, you know, that, that's their form of worship. It's very different from what we do every Sunday morning, right? And so the point of, my, the point of this class that I'd like to lay out is, why the differences? What, you know, why is it that if you're a Christian and you go to a church on Sunday morning, and say you, you stumble into a church that doesn't have a denominational claim, it's just, you know, River of Life or, or some other name, the worship is going to look different than if you stumble into a church that has Lutheran on it. Or what makes us different than when the Roman Catholics gather and they go through worship? Why, why all these differences in how Christians are worshiping throughout the world? It, there's vast differences and how we are raised, and the things that we are um, gathering around on Sunday morning. And um, I want to start with this word um, that kind of will serve as the first foundational thing when it comes to worship. Now, it's Latin, so bear with me, because I don't know Latin, but I like the thought. Lex Arandi Lex Credendi. Lex Arandi Lex Credendi. Anyone have any idea on what this might possibly mean? Lex Arandi Lex Credendi. There's one Latin word that I think you might be able to figure out. Credentials? Creed. Creed, yeah. Creed, credo, is Latin for belief. So this, this line is the law of belief. Lex, credi Lex credendi means law of faith or the law of belief. But Lex orandi, uh, the, the law of worship. The law of worship forms the law of faith. Now, what does that mean? How one worships and what one worships forms what one believes. So, so that our aim is, of course, as Christians, our aim is true worship. That which we worship, we end up believing. So the church has always passed this down. When we worship, we are rehearsing the faith. Right? We're passing down what is true, that in the gathering of worship, in what we worship, we are passing down what we believe, what our faith is to our children and our grandchildren. Um, so likewise, if what we worship is what we end up believing, well, then the thing that we want to avoid is warped worship, because what does warped worship create? 
warped faith. That's right. Um, Wishy-washy worship or uh, worship that's askewed, even slightly, even one degree off, it's going to lead to what? Heresy at some point. Um, Your faith is going to be warped, wishy-washy. It's going to be slightly off. And obviously, as Christians, that then means our lives, right? Because what we believe and what we confess impacts how we live. So lex orandi, lex credendi. The law of worship is the law of faith. Um, How we worship matters because it's not just, you know, we're getting up there on Sunday morning and sitting in the pews. We're rehearsing the faith. We're passing down to the next generation the teaching of the church and we're forming them. We're rehearsing together all the matters of faith. You're a sinner. Christ came. He died for you. He rose again. He's coming again. Worship is formed in these ways. And it then impacts our faith. So we're going to be tackling this in our class, the law of worship um, and what it is. So with that, when I say worship, what comes to mind? What is worship? Okay, giving, giving special tri- tribute. Giving special tribute to who, Patty? Like you're worshiping or who you're worshiping. Okay, um, could we just say God to fill it in? Yeah, giving special tribute to God. That narrows it a little bit, whereas if it's you know, anything, then, yeah, I mean, some people worship trees, um, right? We saw that in Guatemala. Yeah, yeah. So we'll at least narrow it to God. Worship, giving special tribute to God. Okay. What else comes to mind? What is worship? Gathering, yeah, congregating. Gathering together. Do you want specifics like how you're worshiping, hymns, singing, things like that? Yeah, either. Just, you know, the first thing that comes to mind when you think about what's worship, what's it all about. Praising Praising God, yeah. Hearing the word. Good. Yeah, Psalm 29 helped us with that. The voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. What else comes to mind? What is worship? Worshiping the triune God, not just God, I guess. Okay. um, So worshiping the triune God. 
Okay, confession and absolution. Which then leads to the Lord's Supper. The Eucharist. You know, maybe to put, put it this way, if I walk into a shopping mall or I walk into a church, what's the difference? Well, we would hope a cross proudly displayed. Okay, <laughs> a cross displayed. The church is about God, where the mall is about man. Ah, centered on God. Worship is God-centered. God That's a really good thought. I like that thought. Uh, yeah, I, I think about the very first statement when we are in worship is in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have that invocation. There's an invocation with the uh, invocation of the name. Okay. There's like a big one that no one's mentioned yet, but it's okay. We'll get there. Yes, Chuck, prayer, right? Praying. You know, it's like the first thing we do when we come into the Lord's house is we pray. Um, yeah, that prayer, praying, praying to God, worship, praising God, worship. What else? I mean, we're trying to form a working definition of worship. What else comes to mind when you think of, you know, what is worship? How do I know that that's, again, True worship, not warped worship, wishy-washy worship, uh, worship that's askewed, uh, but, but something that is true, a law of worship, um, a beautiful form of it. You know, if, I'm if I have the perfect image in my head of the perfect worship, I'm going to say this word, experience, what comes to mind? What do I long for? Okay, um, the faith is being confessed or affirmed. Um, okay, faith affirmed. Okay. I got to the second F and I'm like, <laughs> affirmed? Affirmed. <laughs> Comfort of the heart. It has to come from the heart. Has to come from the heart. And also receiving comfort. Receiving comfort. Yeah, peace with God. Shalom. Yeah. That's good. Peace. 
uh, peace primarily with the Lord. Yeah. You hear a lot of worship services try to alter the word. Yeah. Okay. So hearing, hearing God's word, not just the word, but because the word could be man's word, I guess, if you. Want. But hearing God, hearing God, God's word in truth. Right. This is the, Jesus uses this in um, language in John. He meets the woman by the well, and he engages in a conversation about worship. Yeah, living water, which leads him to worship. Right? She says, "Well, which mountain do we worship on?" And he says, "It's worship in spirit and truth that the Father seeks, not not on a specific mountain." Right? And that that line to worship in spirit and truth. Well, what does it mean? Well, truth centered on God's word. Um, what else? Any other thoughts? What it means to worship? I think of Romans 12, 1. I'm not sure I know what it means, but okay. it talks about offering your body as a living sacrifice. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Offering the body as a living sacrifice. Which um, the form of that, Jeff, um, to offer the body as a living sacrifice, what does that typically mean? How do I know I'm doing that? Well, I, I thought it meant, but I'm probably wrong, mm-hmm. about walking the walk outside of during your life. So that was kind of the liturgy. Okay. Walking the walk. Use it inappropriately in sports or physical activity, but how I'm competing or how I'm working at work or how I'm what I'm doing. Yeah. Is my spiritual act of worship. Okay, that's good because I I was immediately thinking my my prayers and my praise is my sacrifice, but so to think about the walk throughout the week is good. Okay, um, I like our list. We have a lot here. We're going to come right back to it. First, I'm going to give you another word. Um, the German word for worship is, does anyone know German? Gottesdienst. Gottesdienst. Um, this was the word that the German reformers used for describing our worship. Um, what, what's the word that Roman Catholics use? What was the word used to describe worship for majority of the church? When a Catholic says, I'm going to mass, I'm going to go to mass. And the reformer said, we don't like that word. <laughs> um, we don't go to mass. Mass involves this idea of a sacrifice and this this idea of a perpetual, not sacrifice of the bodies, like Romans 12, but the idea of, of sacrificing Christ, right, again and again and again. Um, that's another conversation for another day. But 
what the reformers came up with is Godestines. This is what they started calling their worship, Godestines. Now, what does Godestines mean? Well, God, God, God Dienst, God's service. We're going to God's service, which is what in English we translate as the divine service. Um, see, the, the Lutheran reformers, there was this idea that, that worship was about man coming and sacrificing or doing things for God. And for those who have taken confirmation with me, you've seen this before. God, man, and the Roman Catholic Church had emphasized that worship was man's action to give God something. And Lutheran theology is never that way. It never begins with the view from down here. That's a man-centered view. Lutheran theology is always God first, coming down and giving us something. Um, so <laughs> worship is God's action of coming down and first giving man something that man needs. Uh, Luther gets about it this way. In his commentary in the book of Genesis, where does, he, where does he say worship first begins? In the Garden of Eden, where God orders everything, gives, 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 creates Adam, brings him over to the plants, tells him to eat these, this food, brings him to the trees, tells him to eat from this tree, brings the animals to him, tells him to name them, brings a wife to him. Adam is worshiping. Why? He's receiving from God life itself everything he needs. He is receiving from the Lord all by his grace. What did Adam do to get any of it? Nothing. And Luther says, you want to see the most perfect form of worship? Look no farther than the Garden of Eden, where man is there simply making himself available to the Lord's gifts. <laughs> you just show up and God serves. God serves you again and again and again with every tree that is that is good for the for the body and, and, and with a wife that is good for the body and with his voice that is good for the soul where he walks with you I mean, he this is worship this is god's service um god centered first and then man responds with rightful praise and thanksgiving um so let me go back to our list god esteems means god's service what on this list is uh, from the view of man, what man offers to God, and then what on the list is from God's view of offering to us, serving us, giving us, giving a special tribute to God? That's man, man Centered on man, right? Not that that's the wrong answer, right? Because this is part of worship. Um, but it's always both, right? It's both and. So this is definitely from the view from below looking up. Worship is me giving special thanks and tribute to the Lord. Of course it is. But the reason we give thanks is because it's coming down. Right. right. Begins there. Um, gathering together. Um, the idea of people gathering together. Um, man. Praising God. Man. man. Hearing God's word. That's God. That's just, yeah. How we, 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 we hear his voice. Right. He speaks. God-centered view. God-centered. This is great. Who said that? 
Carolyn, yeah, God-centered, uh, God's service, prayer. This is centered on man, right? We have prayer to offer to God. Yeah, he speaks, and we pray. This is the beginning of class. How do we start? He speaks, we read Psalm 29, and then I pray following. It's a conversation that always begins with God first. God has to speak first before we can say anything back to him, right? We, or John puts it this way, we love because he first loved us. So this is, this is the habit of prayer. Prayer is first hearing God's word and then me saying back to him what he's already said to me and bringing my petitions too, how this word is hitting me and impacting me and the things that I'm longing for, right? Uh, Lutherans demonstrate this action in our worship by, by this. If you want to know if, if we're focusing on man, man's response, or if we're focusing on God's action, just look at the way the pastor is facing during the service. Did you know this? When the pastor is facing the people, God is speaking at that moment, right? We're receiving. When the pastor turns and faces the altar, we're responding, right? So it's this back and forth throughout our worship service. How does worship begin? After the invocation. And then the pastor will turn because we're all facing the Lord. And what? We're confessing our sins. It's the first thing that we do. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. And after confession, the pastor then turns, and now we receive God's holy absolution. Then the pastor turns, and we sing our praise, right? It's back and forth. I get dizzy. <laughs> you know, you, it, it's dizzy being a pastor, but it, um, it's, it's all good. Um, this is the introduction to our hymnal. If you grab the hymnal upstairs and you open to the very first page, you're going to see this little introduction in there. It's, it's what's put in. It's our theology of worship. Oops. Um, right off the bat, which is foundational to Lutheran ideas of worship. This is, we're talking about theological foundations for worship. Look at the very first line. Our Lord is the Lord who serves. So Jesus Christ came into the flesh not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. On the cross, he offered himself as a spotless sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And through his perfect life and death, he accomplished forgiveness and salvation for all before the Father in heaven. By his empty tomb and ascension into heaven, he declared his victory over sin and death to all the world. Seated now at the Father's right hand, he graciously serves his church with the gifts of salvation. On the last day, he will come again to gather his elect from every nation to celebrate the feast that will have no end. Our Lord serves us today through his holy word and sacraments. Through these means, he comes among us to deliver his forgiveness and salvation, freeing us from our sins and strengthening us for service to one another and to the world. At holy baptism, he puts his name upon us, pours his Holy Spirit into our hearts and rescues us from sin, death, and the devil. Through holy absolution, he pronounces his forgiveness again and again. And with his holy word written in scripture and preached into our ears, 
He daily proclaims his abiding love for us through all the joys and sorrows of life in this world. And in his holy supper, he gives us his own body and blood to eat and drink as a priceless gift to nourish and strengthen us in body and soul. So this is behind why we call our worship the divine service. What is it first and foremost about? God coming to serve us. Right, this is uh, countercultural to the way the world thinks. This is the place that we come to f- actually rest and receive and draw from the Lord what we need, chiefly the forgiveness of our sins. If, the, if there's anything that I, that I really want you to take away from the next 12 weeks, it's this. Matthew 11, when Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Now, this is worship in its most beautiful form, as one is resting in the gifts of God. Right, so when we gather here in the next few minutes, it is first and foremost a place where we come to rest. Right, rest from my sin, rest from my weariness, rest from all the things that have beaten me up, dragged me through the mud, all the things that I'm afraid of, uh, all, all the places where my life is in shambles and rocky. This is where the Lord comes to serve me with what I need. So it's not just another place where I have to beat myself and try to do some more and more and prove to him, like I have to prove to everyone else throughout the whole week that I'm good enough. No. This is the place where you don't have to prove that you're good enough. This is the place where God proves that his son was good enough for you. And he fills us up. Yes. Matthew 11, I think it's 25. 28. Thanks, Chuck. Yep. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we'll stop here today. Um, What is worship? Worship is God esteemed. It is God's service. His service to you. And then by him serving us, then we respond with service to others, right? We go out and filled up by his grace and mercy, we, we respond, right? We're not just laying there lifeless. He, he raises us up and he calls us forth into service and sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving to him and in serving one another. Um, if you want to join along, some of the books I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be drawing from this one a lot throughout the next 12 weeks. It's called The Blessings of Weekly Communion by Pastor Whiting, W-I-E-T-I-N-G. This is the book the elders and I went through last year together. Um, It raises some pretty good uh, questions, and also it's just a good historical approach to how the church has celebrated communion over the last 2,000 years, how often she did it, and how it's changed. The other one I'm going to jump into next week is called Heaven on Earth, The Gifts of Christ in the Divine Service. and he's going to lay out a much better argument about Lex Credendi, or Lex Arandi, Lex Credendi, and Godestines. That service is, is chiefly about God coming to give us his gifts. Um, 
and it's a place for us to rest. Um, okay. That's where we'll stop today. Okay, let's end with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right, thanks everyone. I will see you up for the divine service. <laughs>